what was the first Godzilla related content that you guys had watched? Nathan, go first. <laughs> the night, the nineties movie when I was a little kid. Yeah, same here. Yeah, Marmar. It's definitely more recent for sure. I would say I would say the 2014 Godzilla. I think is like one of my first. I, I again, I've always known of Godzilla, but I've like seen him on big screen was probably the 2014. Yeah, Godzilla for sure. Yeah, and I mean that's really when I started. Well, I guess maybe that was the first time on the big screen that I've seen Godzilla also. And we are live with another episode of the Keeg Talks. Today, it's a double feature. The Keeg Talks, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and Godzilla Minus One which I am affectionately referring to Monarch Minus One. Does that work? Monarch it's Minus One? It's a blend, one? yeah. It's, yeah, we, we, yeah, we're, you know, um, yeah. I, I think I think it kind of works, but for those of you who would get confused, both titles are listed up on the screen. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Mitra Pereira. If you're watching us live, you're watching us on twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show or youtube.com slash The Keeg Show or you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see our guests. But if you're watching us, you can see our guests. Let me introduce them. First up, he's been here before, but it's been a while and I've missed him. Um, I feel like he's been gone because he's been hooking up some new things. We got Nathan Hi. Cook. Hey, how's everybody doing? You can't answer that unless you're in the live chat right now. So let us know how you're doing. It's a it's a crazy 2024 so far. I'm excited to talk about giant monsters. It it is. Uh, the giant monsters have been following us, right? Because both of these, I think Godzilla minus one came out last year, right? End of last year, like, <laughs> end of November, beginning of October, I think. Yeah, and or then not, or beginning of December. Monarch Legacy of Monsters started the season last year. So these monsters are following us and yeah. uh, they are two different approaches to the same monster. Um, and we're going to go over exactly how that happened and, and, and what that means and how we take that in. But thank you, Nathan, so much. Uh, the Favoring Wind, uh, if you guys didn't know. Um, we also got first time guest. We got Marmar. Marmar, hello, how's hello. it going? Good, good. Um, glad to be here. Glad to finally do this with you. So I'm excited to also talk about giant monsters. It it's so cool because like I saw you talking about it on TikTok mm -hmm. and I'm like, like, we got it, we gotta get into it. You yes. know? Um, because there's so much to get into. I mean, not only is this maybe our first double feature episode of the podcast, um, but also like there's just a lot, a lot to go over decades worth of Godzilla content and um I'm glad that I have you uh on this episode Marmar yes, glad I finally I, I finally got you um yes <laughs> are these two things aside have you guys been Godzilla fans big time not yes yeah <laughs> can speak more to that. <laughs> so um, Nathan says yes even before all this okay I've always, personally for me, I've, within the last few years, I've been more aware of Godzilla. I knew it was very much an iconic kind of figure in Japan and Japanese culture and media, uh, but I fully haven't like looked into it up until like recently. Mm -hmm. um, my very fascination with the lore of Godzilla. I, my first time 
and I, I've never really been into uh, uh, like Japanese Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've I've you know lived in California my whole life, been an American my whole life. Um, foreign movies as a kid weren't really my jam, though I was in daycare once, and I think we did watch like one of the first Godzilla movies in daycare, but I don't remember what it was and what happened. I just remember a lot of human faces. And being a kid, I'm like, that's not what I'm signing up for. Um, but I think my first Godzilla kind of um, thing, weirdly enough, is the American-made Matthew Broderick mm-hmm. Godzilla movie. As a kid, I loved it. Look, there's no shame in that. I think it's a fun kids movie. I was six or seven when it came out. And I think it's better than some of the recent American Godzilla movies. Ooh. I rewatching rewatching all of them recently i was like hey look these new godzilla movies make great screensavers but a couple of them have just too many too many human characters to really follow any kind of story i agree um, with that <laughs> i will say that the matthew broderick one is better to me than kong versus godzilla um or godzilla versus kong whatever happened recently that yes. movie was that movie was jam packed I don't know. Marmar, you agree? A lot of things were happening in that movie. I would definitely <laughs> agree. I think I think the, I, I like the concept of two monsters going head to head. I think no who wouldn't like seeing like just two monsters just duking it out. But I think to Nathan's point or Dimitri's point too, where it's like a lot of human characters are in this in a way that um could detract from a lot of like what people would, would want to see is those monsters coming, like just fighting it out mm. but if you're going to have human characters in a movie like that then it has to be either helping like complement the story of the monsters and or still have compelling human qualities to them and a lot of the, there's just so many characters that were in these movies like Millie Bobby Brown Brian Tyree Henry like a lot of the characters that you think what you will want to see but then they don't do a lot and it kind of detracts you from what you originally wanted to see it, in that movie. It becomes busy and messy. Where yes. instead of a clean story, we're like, oh, I'm following this like clear story of a father or daughter or a, a, a yeah. geeky guy or whatever. It's so many people that no one's got a story, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of happens a lot with like any of these big, I don't want to say monster movies, but like almost like, alien movies or like movies that aren't human based so transformers like always has this human subplot and sometimes it works i'm i'm a big proponent of transformers one and three with shia labeouf i'm a big proponent of that um mostly because like number one is just it, sam samuel witwicky's character like that character shia labeouf's character and the the uh, Bumblebee have a good relationship and like those plots move forward pretty well. Um, but then it goes off the rails like later. And why do we need the humans in some of this? Like, I don't know if you guys have any uh, beliefs I, I actually, on humans with this. Yeah. I have I have filmmaking insight on this one a little bit because it's, mm-hmm. it's very much a thing about disaster movies in general and like always like this crutch of special effects films. And you'll see it even in these old the older godzilla movies that what they're trying to do is offset the special effects budget of like hey we can't have a movie where it's where we have this many special effects shots is thing number one Mm. so we've got Mm -hmm. to have at least 
at least a third or at least half to two thirds of the movie needs to be human shots. And um, the next question becomes um, like they they're like investing in too many storylines because they need to be such a broad thing like uh they're, they're doing like independence day which is classified more as a disaster film than it is an alien film and all of the movies by that director uh roland emmerich like day after tomorrow 2012 they all follow that same thing where it's like oh my goodness i'm following five different storylines uh, and all of their way to react to things. And the reason isn't because that's the best version of the story. It's because the studio is saying like, well, we need to have a storyline for the teenagers and we need to have a storyline for the older people. And we need to have a storyline for the single mothers who are going to want to thirst after a salt and pepper haired uh, silver fox. Jeff Goldblum and... in Independence Day? Exactly. I get that kind of thing. It's like, we need to have uh, we need to have a storyline to, to hit each of these demographics, and we need to have a storyline that includes the military so that we can have access to military equipment so that we can have a really good shot with the helicopter later. Right. I, will, I would say, and I'm glad, or speaking of Jeff Goldblum, I think a good, I guess, combination of human characters and like monsters would be Jurassic Park. I think they yeah. do a really good job. I think because they have one storyline for the human characters through, and um and it, it complements are like it integrated with why the like the the dinosaurs are there in the first place it's because these humans brought them back to life why because they were bored i don't know but <laughs> like it was just i like um jurassic uh, park one and two and what mm, they did with those yeah. stories um so i think that's a good at least for me that's a good example of balancing the human characters and their storylines with seeing the cgi budget budget really well so i i, I fully yeah. i fully agree with that yeah, I, I think Nathan uh, and Marmar, you guys are bringing up a good point of like, like there's just multiple storylines and multiple things going on. And like in Jurassic Park, it is the humans and then the dinosaurs are revolving around that. Yeah. And then Nathan was bringing up the fact that like everybody needs to get something out of this movie. And although that's maybe not the best approach to movie making, it is the best approach to producing or, right. you know, as an executive, because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, why would we yeah. want a Godzilla movie where only kids are there, I guess, watching it? I don't know. But, like, it's... Transformers, like, you would think a Transformers movie would just be like, why can't we just focus on the Transformers and their motivations? And I think it's because, like, the people who want romance don't want romance from Transformers. They want human romance. Exactly. But we have yet to get a Transformers romance. I'm just saying. It's you know what bring Transformers romance to the screen. This is the representation we need in, yeah. in this decade. Yeah, I'll say I love Marmar. I loved your uh, Jurassic Park uh, example because I think that like I think that that as an example helps create the difference between like the disaster movie um, with this like Roland Emmerich style Independence Day disaster movie that Godzilla mm -hmm. movies often fall into and a sci-fi film because I think Jurassic Park is much more like a sci-fi film, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's hey, we've got these characters in a specific situation that's sci-fi, and we're going to yeah. watch the sci-fi situation break down, kind of like in Terminator or in Aliens. Or something. Yeah. It's an ensemble of people, but we're dealing with one problem. While a disaster movie, like, disaster movies harking back to the 70s, it's like, hey, we've got, sure, it's one problem of the, the giant ship sinking or the, or the, uh, the tower burning down or whatever, 
but we're going to have nine people in different locations dealing with different types of a problem who are completely unconnected. They're not even friends with each other. Like Jurassic Park, they all arrive together and leave together. But Mm -hmm. Independence Day and Poseidon Adventure and 2012 and Day After Tomorrow, these are entirely unrelated, scattered stories. Mm -hmm. And the modern Godzilla movies, or at least the last two, Godzilla and Kong, or Godzilla versus Kong and Legacy of Monsters, they have Mm -hmm. that scattered problem where you're like, how Mm -hmm. do these connect? Who are these people to each other? What's the coincidence that brings them all together? I'm so bored. Yeah. 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 Or or there's the approach of like, (laughs) the, remember that, that moment in cinema history where we got all those, those uh, tangential, like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, the love uh, actually he, affects. Yeah, he's just yeah. not that into you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those type of storylines where like they're, yeah, love actually, where they're like mixing and matching and whatnot. Like, I get that. By the way, can you guys hear the honking in the background? I'm not sure. We can't. Cool. Nope. Awesome. Um, somebody it's like broken crash, into. but for romance though. That's, it's like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like disaster movies tend to follow that. And I think a really good approach is Jurassic Park where you're telling a broader story about like corporate interests and man playing God and whatnot. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's how Godzilla movies you, like started off, which was the human plot is part of this like story they're trying to tell where um, um, this is just uh, basically the story they're trying to tell where, where it's about mankind through the lens of like, yes, these things happening around us. Uh, quick question: What what was the first Godzilla related content that you guys had watched? Nathan, go first. <laughs> the night the nineties movie when I was a little kid. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. Barmer. I can't even. I'm. I'm. I mean, it's definitely more recent for sure. I would say. I would say that 2014 Godzilla. I think is like one of my first. I, I again, I've always known of Godzilla, but I've like seen him on a big screen was probably the 2014. Yeah. Godzilla for sure. Yeah, I mean that's really when I started. Well, I guess maybe that was the first time on the big screen that I've seen Godzilla. Also, because mm-hmm. like I watched it on I watched it on VHS when it like uh, mm-hmm. the the Matthew Broderick one, you know. And I keep saying that because I forget what year that was. <laughs> I like ninety eight, I think. Yeah. I bullied my family to take me to that. Like oh. I was a little kid who was like, "This is the movie I want to see. If you love me, I'll watch this if one movie, please." Yeah, that, that kind of thing. I I grew up almost primarily watching TV shows because we couldn't afford to go to movie theaters, and we would every so often we would get a VHS from the store, like from the from the rental place, and we would, but it would have to be a family movie or if my friends and I are having a sleepover, then I can watch something that like only we watch. And like, that's where I watched Godzilla. But most of all, it had to be like a family movie most of the time. So I definitely did not see it in theaters and I couldn't drag my parents out. Um, But that, you know, that's just me. Um, There was also that Godzilla cartoon that came out in the 90s right at after that, 90s the movie tie-in cartoon it was it was good though yeah that, that was the same time like as uh mostly uh sony well at the time like columbia tristar was doing a whole bunch of tie-in cartoons to everything they produced like the, i think the same team behind it was the that same Godzilla team show 
yeah did the uh well the same team that like the the artist team also did a men in black cartoon which yeah. was also columbia tristar and yeah like i i think very vividly of those two cartoons as like the same almost like greenlit by the same producer it was like i need a kids cartoon for this by next friday i'm trying <laughs> to find a name a name of that company but they also did the jumanji cartoon yes. they did the ghost extreme ghostbusters they did big guy All and rusty columbia tristar yeah, and then they did Starship Troopers. I don't Starship... know if that was a Columbia TriStar one, but uh, at the time, Ghostbusters and Jumanji both were. Um, but like that's yeah, that is funny that there was kind of a a lot of um, 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 movie tie-ins. But anyway, point being is that like, like, like these monster movies being just disaster movies, or them being more like in the vein of Jurassic Park where they're trying to tell a thematic kind of story. And when it comes to Monarch Legacy of Monsters versus Godzilla Minus One, I think people forget that TV shows and movies have two different jobs. Right? Right. People think that TV shows are long movies. That's what Di that's what Disney oh, Plus yeah. thinks. They just yeah, think or that Netflix, like... Netflix, like occasional miniseries. Things. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you guys have any uh, opinions about TV versus movies? Yeah. I'll Marmark go first on this one. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I do. I I just point to. I think we need to get out of that mindset of yeah, like movies are like cut up or like, TV shows are cut up movies because yeah, it serves different purposes. Like your TV, especially when it's released weekly or released have a certain release schedule, like it's there to keep you kind of engaged for that hour and then you know like until the next week and. Uh, and so so it's like the story is like in a way that's supposed to leave you hanging and then keeping that story alive for that, that long period of time whereas obviously movies are just you're there for that one moment in time and you're there to kind of on that roller coaster ride and out of it so i think it's yeah it's we can't see them as like the same or like a version of the other so I think, and yeah, like I'm, I feel like right now I'm more of a TV person than a movie person. I still love going to movies, but if I, it's depending on what you want to get out of. Yeah. Um, by the way, TV a quick question. Movie format. Uh, Nathan, uh, is Marmar frozen on your screen or is she just frozen on mine? She is. She just okay. froze. Oh, the okay. Of... Yeah. And the, the audio, oh, okay. the audio was there for the most part, but they did kind of like popcorn a little bit okay yeah we got like 90 percent of the audio yeah I think. okay like yeah you're uh like we, we heard you okay um yeah but um okay let yeah. me know if anything else comes up <laughs> yeah i'm with you that like i'm 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 just i'm just a big tv guy and i love movies but movies to me are just little bite-sized things that now then like i i watch it and then i crave it like for another one for like two years you know if i'm lucky <laughs> I'll get a sequel. And if I'm not, then I'm like, well, this was a moment in time. It was two ships in the night, you know? It was it's that sort of thing. Movies are kind of like that. I I always see movies and TV not as the difference between like a book, like I so not like the difference between a book and a short story or something like that, but like the difference between a short story and a recurring magazine. So like a uh, like and this is that dates me so much like how much i read when i was a little kid but like when you're if you think to yourself like okay i like this article i like this um 
Sherlock Holmes-esque article that's showing up in this magazine every week. I'm going to buy this magazine every week to just sort of spend a little time every Saturday morning reading this. That's a TV show to me. It's about spending time with the thing. It's about the vibes. I want to keep coming back to this vibe. A short story is much more like, I want this theme. I want to be taken from the beginning to the end. And I'm going to just wrestle on this very specifically crafted experience. Yeah. So like when I, I love, like I prefer movies mostly, but it's because for me, it's almost like it's a very specific, um, it's like a very specific thesis. Like I've got an hour and a half to two and a half hours to make a very specific experience and capture something. Like I love that. It's so distilled and concentrated. And when I watch TV shows that try to be movies, I actually kind of get stressed out because I'm like, I'm here to spend time with you. I'm here to get to know you and invite yeah. you into my home. Yeah. Uh, it's like going, it's back to like what in the 60s, in the 60s, the show Maverick, they would talk about that the reason Maverick worked is you wanted to have that character hanging out in your living room with you. And it's like, that's the vibe I still want. I watch right. The Great on Hulu mm -hmm. or, you know, Bridgerton. Not just because they're a good story, but because I want to hang out with these mm -hmm. people. I mean, that's also what's what's missing from modern TV is like now they're like six episode seasons. You don't get to hang out. Like I miss, I do miss, and I know that um, is it Watch with Mike? Is that uh, Mike on? I know his oh, yeah. his, his mm -hmm. full name, but like yeah, uh, Watch yeah, with Mike. Mike. Yeah, Watch with Mike. Like he um, he talks about how like where are the filler episodes? Where are the Two, two characters get trapped in an elevator episode, the bottle episodes, right? Yeah. Like, these are the types of things we're missing, the episode where somebody turns into puppets. Like, we don't get that anymore in some of these bigger budget TV shows. Um, yeah. Not that I want that from Monarch Legacy of Monsters, but, you know. Um, I do think, though, what you're saying, Nathan, is, is right, is like, there's a thesis for movies. A good movie has a point. And then they're telling the story to bring it all together. Um, and I would say, I would argue that like, there are certain shows that are both good TV shows and have a thesis, but a lot of them aren't. So like Westworld, like Westworld season one. Um, yeah, Westworld season one, totally a thesis and a point, but like Westworld kind of loses the plot as it goes on. Cause you're like, this thesis doesn't continue for three seasons and not every season came in with a banger mm. thesis. Yeah. So That's like, and, and like, I love shows like Westworld season. I, well, I like only season one. Season two is fine. I, I, like I fell off two. after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like Russian doll or haunting of Hill house on Netflix. Those are like mm. six episode to seven episode shows where it's like, I, I really liked this, but it is, it feels much more like a big movie or like a chapter book than it does like a tv show like you can't when when they did russian doll like russian doll season one yeah everything came together i really appreciated it but when you get to that tv question of i want to come back and spend time with you again coming back for season two the pitch is different you've told your story so perfectly and completely in this mini series that you didn't quite have something to tell of the same stature for the second time around yeah huh Marmar. I think that's why I, I guess I guess like oh oh no, hear me? no no yeah 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 uh, okay. sorry continue okay okay I think a good balance of of those two things would be like anthology series TV shows where you know for a fact that that season is going to it, like similar to a movie where you know there's a point and you know it's going to be a beginning and and like season premiere 
there in the season finale. And then you know that, okay, next season is going to tackle something of the same vein thematically, but then still a different story with a different point. So like, obviously like American Horror Story um, for the uh, beginning few seasons, or um, I would say even the White Lotus too is now in that vein too, where you know there it's it's all the same, it's the same hotel, but different place. Different... I think in a way, like again, I think to the earlier point too, where it's like there's six episode seasons now, but I think as long as you're able to be engaging for those episodes, and then if you have to continue it, then continue with something a bit, yeah, fresher or like more creative to keep you coming back for a yeah. story like that. I um, think that's a great point. Like I would 100% agree with that. And maybe even anthology shows are going to be like the future of TV as long as we have to have these like short seasons. Because then it means that if the storyteller doesn't know that they're getting a season two, they can tell their complete story in mm -hmm. season one which is what a lot of storytellers are doing now and when the studio comes to them and says we've got a season two because that was so great then they say okay we're gonna do a new thing for season two and like white lotus fargo true detective fargo and five that was so good. And oh. you know when you go to a show like that where they're like, hey, we make we make a new season of Fargo when we've got a story to tell you. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I agree with season five of Fargo was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when now as we're moving into talking about Monarch, Legacy of Monsters and Godzilla Minus One, I think like tackling both of them from the medium that they are as opposed to which one is better or like which one, you know, works better as in the medium from what is asked from them, I guess. Um, do you guys have a number out of 10 that you would rate? And I mean, you can explain it very shortly and then we'll get into, we'll get into exactly like, like, we'll dive a little deeper as we go on. I think I got a number. I can go first. Or do you want to go first? No, you, 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 you <laughs> go first. first. I just want to make, it's like telling the, I'm just telling the teacher that I've got my, I got okay. my, <laughs> um, okay. I think I will put Monarch, uh, like an 8.5 hmm. out of 10. Um, only because I really, I, it surpassed a lot of my expectations of it, even though my expectations were not that high to begin with, to be quite frank. Um, and I can get into that later, but then I think Godzilla minus one, I, I will give it a good strong, like nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me me personally, I'd say like Monarch, probably eight out of 10. Um, mm -hmm. um, there, I mean, there were points that I was like, mm, I'll come back to it tomorrow. And then there are certain points where I'm like, I need the next episode. Where's the next episode? And so, like, it kind of yo-yoed with my feelings, especially coming at it with lower expectations. I didn't like Godzilla mm -hmm. versus Kong. And so I didn't know what to expect from this. Yeah. And I didn't know when this was set. So 8 out of 10 yeah. for Monarch, 9 out of 10 for Godzilla minus 1. Like, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm not a 10 out of 10 for Godzilla minus 1. Uh. I liked it a lot, and I don't know whether I'm going to rewatch it, but I liked it a lot. It is what it is. I don't know. Nathan. Yeah. I, 
I think I give Godzilla minus one a little bit high. Like, if there's a weight, like, a fraction higher than a nine, but not even quite a nine mm -hmm. and a half, that's me. Yeah. And the, there were parts of the movie where I'm like, okay, this is good, not great. But when I remember, like, the budget that they had, and honestly how hard it is to make, an, like, a, a great Godzilla movie, and they definitely made a great one, I'm like, okay, that's the, the challenge ahead of you and what you took out of that and the originality. Like, okay, that's... I, it's like I'm, I'm giving you just like I need to I need to push it a fraction above nine, but yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. then for me, I'm a little bit colder on Monarch. I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I have a lot of I had a lot of times where the show like hung me up about character choices, where I thought a lot of stuff just felt like they were tripping over themselves a bunch. And I also had a lot of problems with like mm -hmm. where they put the camera a lot, like on a technical level. I'm like, you guys clearly had a billion dollars to make the show and you put the camera in the most boring place imaginable. <laughs> and so I give it about a seven. Yeah. Still yeah. a passing grade, but it's really the mm -hmm. last two episodes. Like if it weren't for the last two episodes, I've been like, I'm like six, but those last two yeah. like, really crossed the finish oh, yeah. line strong for me. It did definitely dip right before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Where did it dip for you guys? I think it's because I it's I it was a strong beginning for me. That's why I, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. Like I'm gonna keep tuning in. Like you could tell it was dragging. I was trying to fill out those 10 episodes. Um, and you're kind of like, okay, like why did we have I don't want to say like why did we have that episode, but there was like a lot of just like space in certain episodes, like in the middle, where you're just like, okay, like things happen but like did it need to like did we need to see that like was there we could have added maybe another monster in there but maybe logistically that didn't make sense or sure were um it ended strong for me which is good for a lot of apple tv plus shows i I've, i know like a lot of certain apple tv plus shows they have a good strong like beginning and middle and then a lot of the ending is a very toss-up yeah um so that was nice that monarch kind of stuck with the landing in that regard yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely think there are a lot of like big budget shows that it's almost the opposite where like it can start off strong and it kind of it, it keeps going in this direction and then it dips in mm -hmm. act three essentially and it's like what happened Did you run out of steam in this one yeah it was almost like they knew where they wanted to start and they knew where they wanted to end and then they were like what happens in the middle they're gonna sneak into a building like yeah that, I, that part lost me and I also mm -hmm. got lost when they're just kind of like stuck in Alaska or Antarctica or Russia or wherever they oh, are yeah. in the snow for like a yeah. whole episode. Like when they first yeah. land there and then the pilot dies and that 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 mole monster mm -hmm. comes, the Titan comes out. That yeah. part's cool. But then the next episode where they're just like, yeah, we're freezing to death now. And it's like for a whole episode. Yeah. Well, hey, you wanted those filler episodes, right? You wanted an episode where they just... That's Here's an too. exception. Here's That's an exception to, to the filler stuff. I hate dream sequences. I okay. hate dreams. Yeah. I hate psychic people spending a whole time like, oh, I'm I've gone into like an actual like physical manifestation of somebody's psyche. Like, I don't like those. I'm in a virtual reality either. episode where like nothing matters and I need to figure things out. I don't like that. Yeah, I think it's, I, I would agree with that. I tend to think that that is like, it's like a writer's crutch. It's like, I can't, 
if when the writer can't figure out how to make something work through the tension and drama of characters talking to each other, and instead they're like, well, I need this character to fully change their mind about something, but on their own. So, and I don't know how to communicate that with direction. I don't know how to communicate that with metaphor. So instead, I'm going to have the conversation, I'm going to have the character have a conversation with themselves through their past. And you're like, that's crazy. Almost no one does that. Like almost no one in real life has that experience. It's not relatable. It's just deep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think, um, especially because like yeah, going back to Monarch where I think, yeah, I think his name, yeah, Kentaro. I was trying to remember what his name was, but yeah, I think he had his whole little journey of, because I, I get trying to show flashbacks. In, I mean, the whole show was about flashbacks because you through especially with the the Russell father and son duo so I understand like they, they already established that there's going to be like different timelines um but I think him kind of going yeah like, out of out of body out of mind experience in order to kind of realize like oh this is oh I found the this like little shed thing oh this is where my dad like it's a lot of like those kind of like hallucinations and I guess you can make it like oh he was freezing so he was hallucinating and that's why he's in his mind but um yeah, a lot of it kind of it felt cool, and then it kind of was you're trying to figure out where it was going from there. It kind of it kind of detracted you a little bit until they kind of got black. He got back to finding them again in the yeah. snow. Like, how do you find people like like in the snow, like snor- storm, and then like, oh yeah, we found each other again. And it's like, uh, you would have died realistically, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like I felt like as a use of screen time, it took away from something that I think was ultimately the most underserved part of the show. And that was the very clearly established lesbian romance happening between the sister and the friend. Where it's like, they are now cuddling, and I never got their <laughs> chemistry and flirting to get them to cuddle. I want that. I love me some sapphic romance. Give me the tension. All of, They're just all of a sudden now like, I clearly care about you, baby doll. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I would like to have seen that, like, you nursing her to health in the cold. Like, that would have been great. Especially because yeah. it's like Kentaro dated her too. That's what right. that was. A, that was a missed opportunity yeah. of like, oh, when that's Kintaro, my ex, and that's my sister. <laughs> yeah, when he clocks that they're like clearly cuddling and flirting in the car later, his look is just sort of like, I'm a cuckold. I'm okay with that. It's like <laughs> it's that kind of vibe. You're like, do you have feel that? So this gets to my big criticism of the show. My big criticism of the show. Because I agree that things like dipped in the middle and it was very much that the writers knew where they wanted like things to end up, but I felt like a lot of things to get there weren't fully validated. So for me, the turning point in the show to like eh, is right after they free Kurt Russell. From the moment they free Kurt Russell to then like showing mm. up in um the country where the like um where they fall through the hole, like all of that, it's like I'm enjoying myself here and there, but they would do a whole lot of back and forth of like, I'm mad at you, but actually, no, I'm not anymore. We can't trust them. Now we can. And I'm like, why can't you trust them? Yeah. Why should you trust them? Why are you mad at this person? Why <laughs> did you suddenly forgive them? I don't know. And it, the reason is that they need to keep the show going. And you're yeah. like, yeah. And, but they like, they didn't earn a lot of stuff to get you there. So that, so that it just kind of like, fr- I would be frustrated. Be like, why do you suddenly feel differently than you did in the last scene? Um, but but uh, because of that, like there were some dynamics that like mattered a lot to me that would then get underserved. Like the romance would get underserved, mm-hmm. or like knowing whether or not Monarch is a shady company got underserved. Like, you are they shady that out. or are they just? 
Yeah, they threw it out. It's like, is Monarch shady or are they just underfunded? Like, are they under? Is it bureaucrat, bureaucratic red tape that's just stopping them from getting stuff done? Or is it someone shady being like, no, I need the Titans to run amok? Like, right. And they, and they feel like they don't commit in a lot of directions with that. And so that, that just started to like really peeve me off. Where I, I didn't know like, whether to I... trust that one guy, the glasses guy, yeah, who's really sinister. Set... But my problem is it, it wasn't fun for me to figure out who to trust and who not to trust. That wasn't fun because I didn't feel like the show knew at that moment whether the person was trustworthy or not. The reality is that the show, and this is what you like, you if you start to think like, what's the producer probably saying to the writers? Is that they wanted everyone to be trustworthy, but no one to trust each other. And that's really weak writing. Because mm -hmm. the, if the show's called Monarch, you need to, and the Monarch is clearly the centerpiece of the franchise, so Monarch can't be bad guys. But if you want your characters to be on the run without that company, then you need them to not trust Monarch. So trustworthy people constantly not being trusted is convoluted. So you have a convoluted yeah. problem. Yeah, I think that's why also because you're competing with two different or it's two storylines going back to like the flat like it's the past and then, then like the present and then like, to that point of like the past is telling you that yeah is it underfunded that we just not have money that people just not trust us because you know the military and higher ups were like didn't believe that there were monsters in this in this universe um and that story honestly was a lot more compelling to me in many regards like um you you tell them to try to balance going back and forth and then and then um and then they spent more time in the present which i get um and then yeah going to the past where it's like okay like what is monarch then and what is monarch right now and then yeah i think it's tried to figure out it, it kind of wants to keep you guessing of if it's one or the other and that's where the part where you're kind of like i don't know what to believe because you're telling me two different things but it's not serving the overarching of like story and then so yeah, I, I see that point too. And I also, it goes also to like Monarch as a legacy where it's like, Monarch is also a family. Like that plot was actually kind of more compelling to me where it's the family aspect of Monarch. Um, and I did like it. Um, but yeah, I think it's trying to tell you what like dif what Monarch is in these different regards. Yeah, I, but it's like different pieces and it's not. I think that they told us what Monarch was much more often than showing us. A same, including with that like family part, mm -hmm. because the the monarch is a family business thing kept feeling really thin to me. It like, was, yeah, like, mm -hmm. like it was great yeah. in the old sense, like when it's the the three of them and they're like we're yeah we're building this from the ground up. And so I felt like even though I found all that really compelling, the choice that they made to have them like lose control of monarch to the government. And yeah. the choice to then have like everybody die off separately and stuff. It's like, okay, is it really a family company anymore? Or are these people just the ones who were there at the beginning? And then the like next problem became then in the modern time when characters are like, I think so-and-so is going to help us because it's in their blood. I was like, effing why? Why is it in their blood? <laughs> you can't explain this to me. She is a substitute teacher or she's right. like, an elementary school teacher. What do you mean she's going to help you find the monsters? I don't believe you. There were um, confusing stuff in this show. Like, right. with, with the whole, like, it's in their blood, like, you are J. Edgar Hoover Jr. And you you <laughs> need to be in the FBI. It's like, what? Like, like, it's in your I? blood. <laughs> yeah. 
It's in your uh, blood. I am literally a jazz artist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like that kind of thing. And it's not like think... it's it's not the trope of I've been out of the game. I'm not coming back in. It's like we need you. You have experience. It's a substitute teacher and an artist. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know what? I think that you guys can help find your father. It's like, why can we help find him? Because only you have been traumatized exactly right to know what he would do next. It's like, he didn't even tell us what he did for a living. What yeah. Yeah. Marmar, what were you going to say? I do. Here's the thing, though. I do like the family drama of it all, but I think them trying to attempt to connect it to Monarch was, I think, to everyone's point here, that's where I kind of faltered because you're trying... There's just a compelling story with family that I actually, that's why I kind of liked Mon this show with that family aspect. Like it kind of gagged me where they're like, oh my God, we found out we're half siblings. Whoa. Like all I, all I know from Hiroshi is that he's just a shitty father. And I'm kind of more interested in figuring out why he's a shitty father. And then, <laughs> and then like, and then he just all happens to work for Monarch. I think that's where it kind of like, they're trying to connect something like in a way that like is supposed to be more meaningful than it seems like. Yeah, it's to the point. It's like it's it they're doing more telling than showing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sorry, I real think, quick, real quick. Sorry, uh Marmar, there, there your connection. Be a connection there, but I think the writing needs to be more succinct and more like just sorry, Marmar, your yes. your connection is is getting more corny. Yeah. Um is there a way to reset yeah. reset the connection at all? Okay. Maybe it might come in clear. Let me see. Sorry, I didn't I mean to interrupt. To... In the meantime, I will just say... To... Uh, no, you're good. It might just be... Yeah. yeah it just says your network bandwidth as well. Oh, nothing. Go That's for all. it. Uh, okay, I'm going to agree with Marmar because I, I... For me, the really interesting thing is this, like, setup of... This, these two siblings who didn't know they were related, their dad just, you know, has recently presumably died, and he is, you know, he's got secrets about a company. And it's like, that's really interesting. I want to know why he was cheating on his other wife. Like, that's what I want to know. And I want to know how the characters feel about it. I want to know what led to that. Like, I was kind of interested also, like, in one of the flashbacks into the, like, 80s, when he's, like, talking to a nurse. I'm like, ooh, is that him? talking to one of the the other mothers right there like I want to know more and they 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 didn't give me a lot there because they wanted us to so much get into like the cloak and dagger of the company it's like no, no I I'm gonna get the cloak and dagger of the company tell me about this man cheating on his wife I want to know I need that give it, me that juice it was fairly intriguing I wanted to know why is he cheating was there something that happened that made him like maybe like more susceptible to cheating i don't know i was yeah. trying to find a reason like oh Did that he, his parents he, like weren't really around for him which i guess is kind of like yeah what? did he feel a sense of fear and insecurity and he needed to like put that together by having families and everybody he could never deal with loneliness because he needed like so if he's in a different country he needs a family there too like it's right those are questions that i'm like i want to probe that mind as opposed to just being told it happened and we move on. Like, yeah. I, I feel like they didn't flesh him out as a good enough character. Like, I don't know. He wasn't fleshed out enough for me to really care. Especially given the sci-fi stuff that happens around him. 
Right. Like with, with Kurt Russell coming back or Wyatt Russell, technically, you know, and being like, now we're like the same age. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't make sense. So also I went into this show. I didn't know when this show was taking place and I didn't know, like, I got really confused on who people were and keep in mind, like I've seen the, the, the Aaron Taylor Johnson one once mm -hmm. I've seen King of Monsters once, but I saw Kong Skull Island twice Mm -hmm. And I saw Kong versus Godzilla once. I didn't realize until the last damn episode that John Goodman yeah. is Bill Randa. Mm -hmm. I've seen that movie yeah. twice. So they I'm have, like, what is going on here? They have him in an almost blink and you'll miss it thing in the, in first, the first episode. episode yeah. And I kept thinking about that the whole the whole time. Yeah. Like, is that supposed to be so when we would meet a character, I'm like, is he the same guy? And I like double checked IMDB yeah. to, to know. But if I have to double check IMDB to know what characters I'm following, that's a little much. Like you should give me like I, I just wish they had given him like a moment in the dialogue, like, yes, ever since Bel Bill Randa disappeared on Skull Island. And you'd be like, Okay, all right. Right. You know. Yeah. They never really referenced Skull Island back. And then, yeah, it was only that first episode. And then they assume that you still know that that's still Bill, like John Goodman's Bill Randa, but he's younger. Um, yeah. I will say that he, I mean, they try to hark back to 2014 Godzilla, um, which is, I mean, it's nice to know that the connection is in a way that it, it happens to certain other people in that trap, in that tragedy. So I like that it's still, there's still a connection, but it's from a different perspective. It's from the civilians who are actually like traumatized by this giant monster. Yeah. Um, so I like that regard is like try to like still be its own story, but then still trying to connect to this monster first that legendary yeah. pictures and like um is it Warner Brothers? Yeah, I think it's yeah, um they're trying well, to Warner, kind of I think Warner create. Brothers is now I think Warner Brothers might not be a part of that anymore because legendary I think is oh. now because it was because legendary fully owns the rights, and I think legendary's contract with Warner Brothers, like their collaboration contract, I think it's up. So I think Legendary is oh. going to be working with other people now. Like it might be Universal or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, they they can collaborate with whoever they want. I'm looking at it right now. Um, Legendary is a subsidiary of a Chinese conglomerate. Um, and so they're not owned by WB. They've just been working with them. That being said, I don't think they're cutting ties with WB anytime soon because they have the... Godzilla versus Kong versus Justice League comic that's out right now, and okay, and but that's also a different license. Like I, the yes. thing, I think the thing that I think the thing that I read was that the distribution deal they had specifically with Warner Brothers Pictures that that was the thing that like it had lapsed and they were like looking for new partners and not not necessarily an exclusive an exclusivity partnership, but they're like we're going to expand out and not necessarily be home at Warner Brothers for distribution. Yeah. It looks like uh, as of 2022, they've reached an agreement with Sony Pictures, um, but that Godzilla, Kong, New Empire, and Dune Part 2 would continue being Warner Brothers Pictures. So those both come out this year. Okay. Um, and that Legendary would also continue to partner with other companies for streaming, such as Netflix, as Sony does not have a streaming service. So, um, yeah, it looks like their deal with Warner Brothers lapsed and they're moving to Sony. And Sony, Sony tends to, Sony doesn't have a um, a streaming service, but Sony does a lot of business with Netflix. Like, if you ever, like, pay attention to what's on Netflix, it's a ton of Sony titles. It's like Men in Black, Mask of Zorro, 
Jumanji. There's usually a, a, a wealth of Sony stuff there. Yeah. By the way, shout out to it's Adelaide Productions is what the the cartoon company was called. Um, oh. The the animated arm of uh, of Sony. Uh, I should remember that. Or That's Columbia TriStar. So, Adelaide Pictures did did uh, uh, all of that. Adelaide Productions. Anyway, um, side note. So so Monarch um, obviously falls into this trap of like like kind of where these monster movies were going, but or uh, monster verse movies were going. Do you guys have a wait? A, have a favorite of these monster verse? Because this is collectively known as the monster verse. Do you guys have a favorite movie? Easily the twenty fourteen. Easily the twenty fourteen. Hmm. I think it's shot really liked, so beautifully. Yeah. I agree with the 2014 Godzilla. I actually did like Kong Skull Island. I think it was something that was, it felt different. Um, and it felt like it hurt back to, I mean, because I also like some of the King Kong um, movies as well too. And then it's cool to kind of um, see those. I think I like the characters in that a lot more in, Call, in Skull Island. I think it was like Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and that, that had a much like, a more succinct thematic like message to it um so i would say those two movies as well yeah and i think that's a great i think that's a great distinction like the characters in skull island are really engaging and it's definitely saying something more than the godzilla one is yes. but i think that the godzilla movie um is like better looking like the way gareth edwards shoots just like realism or uh special effects it just looks so amazing and i think it's got a very like nice tone like the tension and the and the the sense of horror are really good but like yeah mm -hmm. i think those are the two i think those are the best two movies yeah. in the franchise i i love kong skull island the fact that it had something to say it accomplished it there are so many little pieces to the story in kong skull island with like john c Riley and the japanese mm -hmm. pilot yeah. like that whole storyline We've never, I mean, we never needed to revisit it, but like, that was a, like, doesn't he go back to his family at the end? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. That's I think, crazy. Yeah, John C. Re yeah, I remember that. Like, he was there for like decades. Yeah. Like, trapped there. And until that, that group came in and then it was like, oh, I can leave now. So. Yeah. Um, And then Samuel L. Jackson being a man whose war ended, yeah. but the war continues, like, Mm -hmm. There is always mm -hmm. an enemy out there. And like, he is so unhinged. And like, some of the deaths in Kong Skull Island are not PG-13 deaths. They're pretty gnarly. <laughs> the, the scene where the soldier looks up and then he gets a, a spider's leg through his mouth downwards. What? Yeah. I, lo I love Kong Skull Island. That's why I was rooting for God, uh, for Kong. Mm -hmm. Godzilla versus Kong. He's def he was definitely the underdog um in that. And I don't think they did him justice. In Kong Skull Island? No, in Godzilla oh. versus Kong. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. Because Godzilla beats him pretty easy. I agree with that. I thought Godzilla hold on. Now I'm wondering, did I am I misremembering the end? I thought the ending of Godzilla versus Kong was that Godzilla's or Kong ends up being the winner, and I don't remember. I all I remember yeah. they go up against Mecha Godzilla, right? Like they go up against Mecha Godzilla, and then like Kong kind of gets the victory lap at the end, okay. swinging through the underground, the upside down with his yeah. uh, with his Thor's hammer. But like <laughs> he was cool. He was cooler. Yeah, but against like one on one, I think Kong loses, right? Yeah, Godzilla is 
insanely powerful. Like yes. Kong's mm-hmm. cool. Kong is cool. Godzilla is a self-regenerating nuclear weapon. But I wanted Kong. Here's the problem. This this happens in a lot of superhero comics. It happens a lot of like this things, right? Superheroes are always the best in their specific series, right? right. Superman will always win in Superman. Batman will always win in Batman. Like Flash will always win in Flash. But when you bring them all together, you have mm-hmm. to make a choice as a writer to differentiate yeah. every main character. Now you have a group of main characters, right? To the point where they're not, like, not all of the Justice League should be genius level intellects. Right. Superman doesn't need to be a genius. Flash, although he is smart, he doesn't have to be able to invent a time machine by by hand. Like, he doesn't need that. That's not the Flash, you know? Kong and Godzilla both come at it from, like, their number ones. But Godzilla shouldn't be smart. Kong should be insanely smarter than Godzilla. Yeah. Godzilla's a great fighter with a whole lot to uh, a whole lot to use, but God but Kong is agile and he should have mm-hmm. the, he should have the intelligence, the tool, the, the usage of tools and all that. Yeah. Right. Like that that, mm-hmm. that was my problem with Godzilla. Power versus intelligence. Yeah. Right. And also Godzilla is more of an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let him be able to be tricked like you would trick a dog, you know? Yeah. They this you know is that, only because I just remembered it. Oh, sorry. Go, Nathan. No, go for it. Go for it. I just when you say Godzilla about yeah, it's just him as like a kind of more of a monster, just a brute. And remember in Monarch, I don't know if you guys remember when he supposedly saw um Anna Sawai's character, it was a like Keiko Randa, yeah. and they were all making it sound like, oh, like. He saw you. Like he had there's like I guess a, like a smidge of a humanity in Godzilla. Like I don't remember that when he I think the father was trying to rise um awaken Godzilla. Yeah. And then like he and then he started walking, but like he stopped at Keiko for a hot sec and then like walked away. I thought that was kind of and maybe I correct me if I'm wrong in, in terms of lore of Godzilla, but there are most moments, I guess, with all these monsters where they they can recognize another being in front of them and recognize that okay, you're not a threat to me. So I don't need to come at you this hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I thought it was and interesting. It I I think that's something they've been trying to push in this monster verse that like they and I I think it's I think it's a little bit thin. Like, especially in this one. I was like, I don't because when they're like Godzilla recognized you, like recognized her from the Golden Gate Bridge, where I don't think he looks at her directly in that scene. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Recognizes her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been trying to push this thing because it's a present in all of the movies, um, as early as the end of the 2014 one this idea that godzilla is actually the deity protector of everything and like a like a, li- a literal mm-hmm. god and that means he also like santa claus knows if you're naughty <laughs> or nice and you know he's gonna look at you and go you're one of the good ones i'm not gonna smush you and i'm yeah. like that, that is doesn't make any sense right and but it's present in all of these movies it's he like he wouldn't godzilla- walk through the golden gate bridge unless everybody was guilty in his path Right, it's because he he should be he should be like the force of nature animal that's just there because he was pissed off and is looking for food. And maybe he's also a terror. He should be a territorial like a crocodile and say like you do not bolt like to the other giant titans. It's like this is my space. You don't belong. Go back downstairs. 
Um, and that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Where it's like he he does not like the other yeah. Titans because he's the ki- he's the king of the castle. He can get along with the ones that play nice, but otherwise he'll knock them out. I'm like, cool, I can get behind that. But the idea that he looks at people is like, I remember when you asked for a bicycle on your fifth birthday, and I won't smush you. <laughs> I always thought the god part was metaphorical, like not that it is. He, not that he is specifically Earth's protector because he as an entity is Earth's protector, that he is the strongest and good thing he's good, unlike King Ghidorah. Well, mm. in Legacy, in a Godzilla Legacy of Monsters, they take him to a temple to heal him. Wait, King of Monsters? At... King of Monsters or, or King in, of... Or in, not in Legacy of Monsters, in, in Godzilla King of Monsters. That's yeah. what I meant. In Godzilla King of Monsters, they take him to like a temple to heal him. And they make that... I feel like that movie made it pretty clear like he's a deity all like this is a he's conscious of being one of the good ones and he's here to make the world a better place like and i was like that's i think that's why i don't like that movie i'm like that movie is a gorgeous collection of images that look good on a computer and a whole bunch of nonsense along the way i mean i also don't like the trope where in monster movies they're like you know what killed the dinosaurs the star of this movie like it's always like, or just an asteroid hit the dinosaurs. Like, what do you, what do you, what? We don't yeah. need King Ghidorah to kill the dinosaurs for him to be bad. Right. They, and that also, I have so many issues with like the that movie and, and uh, Godzilla versus uh, Kong. As, as many things as I enjoy about them, they do a, a whole bunch of world building stuff, just totally shit. Yeah. Like, suddenly we have hovercrafts. And you're in the Marvel universe. And I'm like, no, you could just be in a regular science world, like where we don't have hovercrafts, but like we can study like whether or not there's a radioactive signature in the area. Okay. Or um, the idea that like King Ghidorah is a, an alien. And it's like, we are not wrestling with the fact that aliens exist. Like, where is that conversation in this movie? (laughs) It's too much. Um, Yeah. Also, and and we do we will go into minus one um territory yeah. but but what what king of monsters does king of monsters bring up um the hollow earth stuff or is that only in godzilla versus kong it's only in godzilla versus kong i think i think okay. that the implication in again i've always seen king of yeah. monsters twice i've seen king of monsters twice 2014 three times godzilla versus kong only once and i've only seen skull island once Watch Skull remember, Island again. I'm just telling you. What I remember is that is that uh, Godzilla versus Kong like starts with. By the way, we've got a Hollow Earth. While um, the thing that they set up in uh, King of Monsters is just we have a bunch of hibernating monsters we have found. They're oh. all dormant, the same way that the monsters at the beginning of the 2014 movie were dormant. Yeah, I mm-hmm. hate Hollow Earth theory because that's an actual was an actual theory back in the past like in mm. re, in the in the real world yeah it's, it, a, it's a jules verne thing it's yeah. you know that's like journey, journey to the center, to the center of, the of the earth yeah yeah i hate hollow earth theory and so i hated when godzilla versus kong did that i hate that old plot but then monarch legacy of monsters states that it's not a hollow earth it's another it's like dimensional multi- plane yeah it's a multiversal mm-hmm. thing underneath our that that exists like underneath us it's only underneath because they come from underneath right right that's so they hit mm-hmm. they hit the portal in the crust but they're not going to the center of the earth they're hitting that portal and then going to another dimension 
something like that. <laughs> so they retconned I it. I think you're right, I, but I didn't pick up on that. I was too busy wondering when the lesbians started flirting with each other. That's I was like so distracted <laughs> that I couldn't. I, they they could have explained. They could have explained how I should have passed my classes in college in any of these episodes, and I would have been like, I'm too hung up on the changes of decisions that the characters are making. I don't want to. I don't want to derail this conversation, but I do want to point out how attractive every single woman in this in this yeah. show was. And yeah. the Russell boys, you keep this thing hetero, <laughs> like flexible here. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think, I don't think White Russell is good looking. Um, I do think Kentaro is good looking. He's a good looking yeah. guy. Um, yeah, I, think, I think they're all, no, they're, they're all attractive. They're all they're, this is a good group. This is a good looking cast in my opinion as well too. Yeah. Um, I it was funny that I'm glad is it's because I they're make, kept making hints at like. Kurt Russell, like, hey, you should have been much older. Why yeah. is he not much older? And I was like, thinking to myself, like, I'm sure it was some radiation thing that happened to him. Like, it has to be that. And then they finally got to finally revealing that. And I'm like, okay, so I was right. And then um Keiko, I was like, okay, Kate, not Keiko, um, the mom, the grandma. Yeah, what, uh what's what's her um... I know her the actress going back, I know the actress's name is like Mari Yamamoto, but I can't for the life of me right now, remember what are the, the characters. He is the most stunning person on the whole show. He is gorgeous. Breathtaking. Uh, yeah. Well, she's when Keiko. She You're, she's Keiko. Kate Randa is Anna Sawa. Oh, it is Keiko. Okay, yeah. so Kate, Keiko. Keiko, um, I knew there was, I think, she has to be out there somewhere. Yeah. So I had I had this inkling. I was like, okay, she's not fully dead. Because it has to, like, if the reason why Kurt Russell is young, still young, is probably connected to why Keiko is might be somewhere in this universe so I was like okay okay like, I liked like they revealed that I was like okay cool so it's just like a woman out of time kind of thing I like that it adds to against the family drama of it all um but yeah, I, I think Keiko is probably my favorite character in the series yeah. for sure she Agreed. she pulls a lot of weight in those flashback scenes yeah yeah she, she was very much the heart and soul of that of this show in terms of like okay. what Marduk was supposed to be um and losing kind of her, that representation and that symbol of within Keiko was probably could be why Monarch went the way it, it did afterwards. She's also the most emotionally consistent character. Like she's the one who I never ever said out loud. Why did you change your mind? Like she always it always <laughs> makes sense yeah. why she's having yeah. a reaction to something. Um, she's very consistent, very understandable. Um, I also say like she is one of those actresses who's just so like so commanding and strong seeming and, and gorgeous that anytime that she's having a romance with either of the other guys i was like why you don't yeah. you deserve so much better than either of these men it's like <laughs> until pierce brosnan's james bond shows up there's not a person pretty enough for you on the screen <laughs> like i was like you you're so you're so much better than them and then they were oh she's a single mom and i'm like yeah. no you're definitely better than both of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought she, i thought that um hiroshi was gonna be fathered by one of them cause, yeah because in my mind i was like Time wise, timeline wise, that doesn't make any sense. Cause how long were they hanging out with each other? And then it was really she was a single mom already to begin with. And I'm like, okay, this makes more sense. Well, they, they yeah. even touch on it in the show that that because I thought the twist was gonna be that instead of being Bill Randa's kid, it's his kid. I thought that too for a and hot thus as well. his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I think I think they simultaneously made they made the choice that makes the most sense but is also the least dramatic, but also the, like, best for making, ever, keeping everybody a good guy. Like, which is why I said I think that yeah. there was a writer thing of, like, we need everybody to be agreeable. So 
that way there is no like, well, you were the cheater or you were the guy yeah. who never raised me. It's like, no, these are both the surrogate dads and mm-hmm. this is the mom. And they were actually a happy little polyamorous family and they would have been a whole thing. Yeah. If if it had, had gone that way. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I mean, I was also trying to figure out the age of their dad because I'm like, how old is he the dad? still supposed- does not make sense to me. That man had to have been because they... Monarch starts in the in the late 40s is like the first scene that we see like chronologically I think is like yeah. 48. So that means the child has to already be born at that point, right? So like 2 years, let's say 2 years old at best. That means this guy this guy's born in 1945. It's 2015 when the show takes place. Yeah. That means he is 70 years old. Yeah. Like, if I want to be really generous and shave a couple years off, he's 68. And I just don't see it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he got sucked into the hollow earth, too. I don't know. At this point, they could have said that. (laughs) He spent half an hour in the hollow earth at some point. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's going to be revealed if they ever have a season two. And then I'm like, They went bungee jumping into the hollow earth. (laughs) Like, um, really dip, and I'm done for the week and, dip, <laughs> and I'm done for the week yeah um the oh by the way Keiko when she realizes that time has passed like <sighs> she pulls it off that was very sad she pulls I, it off I do have a criticism of that scene and oh, I'm okay. okay if you guys disagree with me yeah okay so at that point in the show that's when I had like m- my wife and I have been talking about like making directorial choices because we we're filmmakers who are like planning scripts and talking about like what we what think do and don't work and the the idea that people in the show would often change their mind or do something because the script needed them to and we we feel like it didn't necessarily work there's one thing that she does in that scene that I feel like it's in the script but the director didn't like sell it to her she She's emotionally doing great, but the choice doesn't work. And that was she has she turns away from Kurt Russell and walks over to a tree and then like looks at the tree instead. And I know that like in the mind of the screenwriter, it's she can't look at it anymore. She wobbles over to the tree and needs to like catch herself there. But instead it just reads as she turns and starts to talk to the tree. <laughs> like that's just kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like her face is selling it, her voice is selling it, but it's like I don't know if she needed to turn around. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, it didn't. I don't think she needed to. I think her, I, she, she has enough. Of a tableau. Yeah, yeah. I think she has enough of a like enough. Ta- I mean, not talent, but like enough, she can emote that. Yes. Like I, I don't think you needed to turn her, yeah around and like show that you are sad. Back was she turning yeah. away from what's his name though? That's what I think oh, the screenwriter wanted. Mm-hmm. I think the the screenwriter wanted like. Um, like okay she turns away staggers away towards the tree can't look at him and is holding herself on the tree like if I was writing that scene that's what I would expect which the only change I would make then as the director would be okay now walk over to the tree now it's not so much that you're walking to the tree it's you're walking away from him and you kind of stop at the tree Mm -hmm. because that's it's a place to stop yeah it's intention but instead the director's just like well the script says that you need to turn to the tree now so just do that, please. <laughs> we just we just we just did a revision of the script. You didn't have enough time to memorize your lines. So we wrote your lines on the tree. Just go to the tree. And she's like, I can do that. I can kill that. <laughs> like, I didn't I didn't I, I would have known. I would have been able to practice. No, no, no. Don't worry. We wrote it on the tree. Just, it'll be great. there anyway. Well, you'll walk towards the tree. We'll give the it's tree right some there. lines. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, we'll we'll figure this out. Um, yeah. I guess uh, one la maybe one last thing before before uh, we move on to minus one and how they tackle Godzilla and whatnot is the time periods. Not only were a little bit confusing for me, but also like the fact that this show, the show's present, takes place before King of Monsters. Yeah, and that's but, also well confusing. And then they time travel yeah. to before Godzilla versus Kong. Before, right before Godzilla versus Kong. Because they ended in Skull Island. Like, the ending showed that... That there's a the, monarch the two... facility in Skull Island. Wait, yeah, like, is there a monarch facility in Skull Island in Godzilla vs. Kong? Yes, right? I think that's where Godzilla is at the beginning of the movie. I, or where King Kong is, I mean, yes. sorry, in the beginning of the movie. Because the little girl is there, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I want more Mothra. Give me more Mothra in these movies. That's what I want. <laughs> where is Mothra at this time? Uh... Mothra is at a ladies' night. She's having a girls' night out with the other lady monsters. Um, did Mothra was, die, by the way? I don't think she did. I think she had a valiant... She fought with him in Legacy of Monsters. Yeah. Or King of Monsters. Or I know King it's, of easy, Monsters. it's easily so confused. Uh, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that series that have t subtitles should recycle any of the words in... I agree. Yeah. I think we should be on Revenge of Monsters. I think that's where we should be. Right. The other thing is that you're you they use such vague words, King of Monsters and Legacy. It's it's even more confusing than the Planet of the Apes movies, frankly. I, I thought Monarch mm. themselves were going to be the monsters. I thought you know. Which would have been <laughs> kind of cool, but then they would have been like moralizing against like a centerpiece of the franchise. But fun fact, by the way, as we transition to uh minus one. This is actually one of two shows called Monarch that came out in the last year or so. What's the other one? The other one was a Susan Sarandon movie about country music that, or Susan Sarandon TV show about country music that made no sense. Oh. Does it tie in with this? No, it's just also <laughs> called Monarch and came out within a year of this show. Were, did you go in thinking there would be big monsters? There should be. You should no, no. It's reverse. I came into this show thinking that I would see Susan Sarandon playing guitar, being and... king of the monsters. <laughs> exactly. So it should be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, but yeah, just random, coincidentally, same name. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny. well. It's kind of funny because there's two movies coming out this year that have subtitle Empire. One is Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire. And then the other one is Godzilla oh God, X yeah. Kong, the new empire. And then we should have Dune, which is Sand Empire. <laughs> and then then they're going to be a new Taylor Swift. It'll be the Swifty Empire. And mm -hmm. then that'll be, it'll be the Empire verse. Yeah. And then we'll get an Empire Records remake. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and then Empire Strikes Back. Again, a new Star yeah. Wars movie. Um, so. It should, be, it should be Empire Strikes Back again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant it, it just again. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back again. They're like, Empire Strikes yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's better. Uh, so, uh, Godzilla minus one. Uh, this is a hard transition, I guess. But the point being is that, like, obviously what Legendary is doing with their MonsterVerse is they have a goal in mind, right? They're trying to sell toys. They're trying to make things big blockbuster. They're trying to see big old fights and just a lot of flash. And if we're lucky, some substance. Yeah, Versus... they, want a, they want a Marvel universe kind of thing. Well, mm -hmm. Good on them, though. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. 
I don't, yeah. I, I think there is a space in this franchise for essentially two franchises. Oh, 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. These, these companies, Kyoto and uh, Legendary, are so different in tone yeah. that they do not, it's not confusing a bit. Mm-hmm. Right. I, we, we talked about Godzilla minus one being pretty highly um, um, rated by each of us. Um, though for me, it doesn't get to a 10 out of 10 um, for me, but I went in and I watched it and I watched it in color with, with English subtitles. Right. And I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, other than people said the themes were really like important and, and, and whatnot. Um, you guys have any opening thoughts about Godzilla minus one? I will say that right before the movie started in my theater, there was a few young boys like above me basically saying like, yo, this is my second time watching this and this is so good. You guys would love it. And then I was like, cool. Um, so that really kind of was like, okay, I'm paying a little bit more hype for this. I mean, if like these young boys are like going into second time and are like very hyped again, like I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I, it was really great. I really, I knew it was a good movie. I, I've heard a lot of our like neutrals and a lot of other people raving about it. And so, yeah, I think what got me with this movie was how emotional it was. And it didn't feel like, it felt like a human story that just so happened to have a monster in it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was more emotional and it was action packed as well. But the human story was really what got me um, in Godzilla Minus One. Yeah. I I was telling Marmar before we started. Um, oh, and by the way, shout out to that one wizard kid out there. I didn't get to say that out loud. That one wizard kid is in our Twitch chat. Thank you so much for watching and being a fan for, for a good amount of time. Um, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen uh, that one wizard kid in our chat. So uh, welcome back. Uh, that one wizard kid said, now I'm even more excited. So I can't tell what that is in reference to, but maybe they want to hear us talk about minus one. Um, I, I was telling Marmar before we started that my biggest criticism is, for minus one is that I didn't like how Godzilla looked. Okay. And that's just me. And now here's my question. That's here's a matter of taste. Here's my follow-up question. Yes. Is that a matter of, because you could mean one of two things here, and I want to know which one it is. Is it a matter of, I didn't like the photo element of how he interacted with the world, like the quality of the special effects, like, oh, he didn't feel quite real enough, or is it a design? I didn't like that he looked so bulky and had a puppy face. Because he does kind of have a puppy face in this. So, which is it more? Like, the the design? The design isn't my favorite, but it's not my biggest criticism. It's the the way the seed the maybe it's not cg i don't even i don't even know but the way it looked like it was claymation or a a puppet like in the old olden times i know that's kind of what they were going for but it didn't look like he was interacting with the environment maybe it's because i just knew going into the movie how low budget it was yeah Uh, but i was like for because it's it's essentially made on the same budget as you might send a letter or buy some popcorn like it was made for pennies so I was like, this is just incredible. Like I was like going and being like, this is this is essentially made by Tim. This is like Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. So I was like, I'm just very happy there. You know what the budget for this was? It's like 10 million or less. 10 to 15 million, yeah. Yeah. 
And um, I'm sure a lot of that actually went to like the aerial fight shots and stuff like that, where they needed to have actors interacting more. Mm. But like, I, I didn't like the, like on that photo quality. Cause again, I just, I knew how many people were involved with it. So I, 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 I agree. I like it less than the last Kyoto uh, Godzilla movie, but I is still, that the Shin Godzilla? Shin Godzilla is my favorite Godzilla movie. Shin oh. Godzilla is my favorite Godzilla movie. Period. It's horrifying. It's brutal. It's bureaucratic. Like very much my pitch for Shin Godzilla for oh. anybody who hasn't seen it is that it's imagine if somebody very much influenced by Wes Anderson in like how they where they put the camera wanted to make a genuinely horribly uncomfortable movie about bureaucracy and they used Godzilla to tackle bureaucracy Mm. it's it's all that with like the backdrop of like the nuclear reactor uh or the uh the um nuclear uh breakdown problem in Japan in 2011 like it's very much it's inspired by that dealing with bureaucracy and instead of Godzilla being horrifying and like the he's a big scary monster who will eat you it's more like this is this grotesque mutant thing that does not care if it kills other people and mm. so yeah shin godzilla is my favorite it, for me i would say shin godzilla then the original 1955 godzilla or 54 whatever and then this like that's my top three godzilla mm. see i don't have that I frame of reference two out then. you know oh yeah it's so like it's it's really good i'll also say the shin godzilla is funny it's un it's it, unexpectedly very funny because it's a black comedy or a dark comedy like so as these like bureaucratic things are happening that the characters are dealing with to try to like deal with this godzilla crisis as he kills people um a lot of funny things happen like the cameras in a very particular place watching people work on their laptops then one person like suddenly grabs the laptop like i I think i found it and everybody else is like working and it's it's done like a comedic bit and it's it's just really it's really a good satire like it's the most satirical Godzilla movie. I've seen the I think you sold me on Shin Godzilla. Oh, yeah. And then the first Godzilla is the scariest. The first Godzilla is sad. Like, the original 1955 is one of the most heart-wrenching movies I've ever seen. Like, really, like, you're like, this is a monster movie. He's like, no, this is a movie about nuclear fallout, and you're gonna watch babies cry while nuclear fallout goes goes through the town. And you're like, oh, this is upsetting, actually. Like, that's... It's a genuinely very upsetting movie. Um, but yeah, so those are those, that's my Shin Godzilla, then the original, and then this. Okay. I'll check those out and I'll let you know, Nathan. What... Awesome. But, I think you sold me on those two. I think you sold me. Oh, yeah. Those are the, that's, everything else is just Barney, but with scales. I've heard, right? Like, that they, I mean, they introduce a little baby Godzilla. And yeah. like, like son of Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they treat it more like a like almost American. The Universal monster movies go in this direction, where their first movie are monster movies, and then to capitalize on it and maybe uh, uh, kind of tying in with what Nathan was saying at the beginning of the episode, like everybody needs to be able to watch this and get something out of it. So kids need to watch a new Frankenstein movie. Now we got Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Abbott and Costello meets the Wolfman. Bride of Frankenstein those type of things where it's like are we getting away from the source here oh like mm. bride of frankenstein just talking frankenstein for two seconds that's frankenstein and bride of frankenstein you gotta watch those movies together because bride of frankenstein's amazing everything okay. else is the silly thing bride okay. of frankenstein really acts like it's the second half of the book like it it's 
though it's really those two movies if you ever want to go back and watch the classics frankenstein goes straight into bride of frankenstein they were practically produced back to back it's okay. same director um uh yeah james wales who also did the invisible man same director it's I highly recommend, like, those are a good marriage. But then everything else, you're like, Dracula versus Godzilla, Abbott and Gassel meet Godzilla, Godzilla got his foot stuck in the in the tram, like, crap like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, uh, let's talk about the humans that are in the center of Minus One. Um, the, the movie starts off, and I didn't expect to see Godzilla right at the beginning. I didn't. Yeah. Um, because a lot of these movies yeah. don't. They don't show Godzilla until like like a while in. Um, but you see him right off mm -hmm. the bat. And like it was a very interesting set piece that the main protagonist is a kamikaze pilot that didn't want to die. So he detoured and said there was plane problems and how there's a shame in that. Um, the human element in this movie was really good. Um, Marmar, do you have any thoughts about like the human storyline in this? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and just, I think what I love about Godzilla, and I'm doing more research on Godzilla, is that being this kind of allegory and symbol of, like, yeah, like the nuclear disaster that happened in World War II against the Japanese civilians, I have to specify, it's against the civilians, and having the bomb dropped on them, and then having to, um, for themselves, basically, like, the government really didn't do much, they, like, they themselves had to figure out how to rebuild their life after a war like that losing this war and Godzilla was a really good like just symbol of that and like the struggles and the adversity and the tragedy that they had to face head on not just individually but be Japan like in many other countries are a collective country too so being a collective and trying to figure out how to move forward from adversity and tragedy that's always that's why I always like very fascinated with the Godzilla story and I think this movie, like you knew going in, like that that was what the story was going to be. And then having those humans and then like having this kamikaze pilot that doesn't want to die was just so interesting because a lot of in that in that kind of like culture during that time was like, yeah, you would die for your country, like 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 full stop, like no questions asked. You don't question your government either. So for the him to kind of have that kind of conflict was really interesting. And then at the same time, having other people in his village and having to like meet this partner that he has. I forgot her name. Is it Noriko? Yeah. Noriko. And then finding the child, Akiko as well. Like that little like found family that he created too in this monster story was so like unexpected, but it was like the story made you care about these like people that like faced all of this, like just horrific, uh, the horrific, horrific that they faced. So it was nice to like see that and then have the, like all the veterans basically of this war coming together to try because like, they even make, they, I think made it a mention of it multiple times where it's like okay our government's not gonna do anything about this Godzilla they're not gonna like they're not gonna believe us so we ourselves have to figure this shit out um and defeat Godzilla um so to see that camaraderie to see that unity amongst the civilians was like it was very like emotional it was very inspirational too so um that's why I did, like, I didn't expect to have that kind of human connection to the story in a monster movie. There were a lot of themes in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I think the persistence of war is like a, is a huge part and that like war just keeps going. How do you defeat, you don't defeat Godzilla because you can't defeat war, right? Like, is that, 
if I'm writing it like a high school English paper on it, is that what like, is yeah, that I, what we're, we're dealing with yeah. here? I think I, I would say that's true. And that like, there's no, there is mm -hmm. never a sense of finality. You don't, you don't get to wrap it up yeah. with a bow. And yeah. that's what these characters are wanting because they can't move on. And I think, I think that there's something that goes back to the kamikaze element there too, where it's like, he had a task where his life and his war would end, right? It's like, you're expecting an ending. There's a finality there. Mm. He can't accept that he wants his life to go on, but he still is anticipating the sense of finality. I have, my duty needs to be wrapped up. You know, whether that's forgiving myself or defeating the bad guy or saving the people who should have died, whatever. There needs to be some sense of like finality before I can go on. And being able to just choose to live in spite of, it's like, this is unwinnable. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. unwinnable. You need to say that the most important thing you're doing here is not defeating the bad guy, winning the war, dying in the plane. It's living at the end. I mean, I've always thought that like, and this pops up in tropes in cinema, is that like a big sacrifice doesn't make up for like all your life's transgressions. So like- yeah. I think like living and making amends is a stronger choice just in general in, in life and in, in movies. I think that it's almost like when you have this like villain, Kylo Ren, that, you know, fights with, with Ray at the end and he gives his life and like, great, but also you've killed billions of people. So this doesn't get you to heaven. Yeah, just because you just because you died under one nice circumstance doesn't mean we're suddenly going to yeah. feel great about it. It's and and I I think that there are movies that handle that in a complex way or in a vague mm -hmm. way even like purposefully vague and then people like put on that level of forgiveness that where it wasn't there. Like a great example is like staying in Star Wars for two seconds is Return of the Jedi. I don't feel like the ending of Return of the Jedi is supposed to say that Darth Vader was a good person. It's that Darth Vader at the end of the day chose that last little bit of goodness he had and died on that note. There's a reason that Luke doesn't, like Luke isn't honoring his father at the end of that movie with everyone else because he knows that Darth Vader is still not a good person. He just can honor him. And, you know, he knows that his soul can find peace, but that doesn't mean like, oh, we're all going to collectively forgive Darth Vader. Um, and then like later franchise installments take a totally different, like, I think tone on that as the audience also did. I think a little bit, but yeah. yeah, I think that there's, I think it's a more interesting thing to say, like, to say that, you know, you need to do more than just like a sacrificial loss to, to make amends, but movie, I think that that's a, that it, it's definitely a trope in movies, right? Of like the, this character did so many terrible things, but like Snape in Harry Potter, you know, like, well, mm -hmm. he, he absolutely bullied several children for seven movies and, you know, sets for six books, seven movies, whatever. Um, but, you know, he was killed by a snake, so I guess he's a good guy. It's like, no, Neville Longbottom was abused by this man. I don't, I won't, hashtag never forgiving snake. I don't care how much of a crush he had on Millie Potter. He bullied Neville Longbottom and Hermione Granger viciously. Screw and he guy. was bad. He was bad towards Lily. He was bad towards like everybody. And I get that he was picked on by those guys, but also what? Yeah, he still joined a white supremacist group, right? right? He joined the fascists. It's not like it's not like he was like, well, I don't really like the fascists, but I want to get one in on James Potter. No, he's like, I joined the fascists, and then my childhood crush died. Dumbledore After he called her a slur. 
right. Dumbledore, can you help me make amends? And Dumbledore's like, yeah, kind of, I guess. And then it's like, it's like you know, he, he doesn't ever become a good person. He just is willing to do whatever Dumbledore tells him. That's that's what it is. So yeah, yeah there. But but I think I think the audience members like redemption, as we as we all yeah. do. Like we do want to see people become good. We want to see that arc of like forgiveness because we want it of ourselves. We all have things that we feel guilty of, or family members. We want to be like, hey, I know that this family member's done terrible things to me, but I want to, to believe that things can be made right someday. So that's very satisfying. We'll take every opportunity we can to forgive people. Mm-hmm. But th- what this movie presents us with, which is like, okay, you want to earn forgiveness? Show up every day for your daughter. You want to earn forgiveness? Like, the- I was so happy that the character, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen mine this one, but the character who didn't <laughs> who didn't die, I was I was so happy because she had earned, in my opinion, she had earned oh, yeah. him him being there for her. And um I I think that that's it. Be be what other people need, improve their lives, and that's how to earn forgiveness, right? Like right. that's how to, to how to how to live a better life. I was right. really happy when she, yeah, like spoilers again, but yeah, it was, like, when she came back at that very last second, I was like, I, yes. <laughs> I don't care how little sense it makes. If she had died, that would have been my number one most upsetting movie death ever. Like I, I mean, she yeah, did die, die, and we were all upset. Oh, right. you but if she had her? stayed that way, uh, I would have come out of the movie being like, oh, I hate Godzilla. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. By yeah, the way, there, I, are, I agree. there are two theories. Let's, let, I mean, let's talk about Noriko. There are two, yes. like, two theories that I've read online um, about it has her. The venom parasite. <laughs> well, kind of. So there's one yeah. that's, ju- there's one that's just saying that, like, she um they found her and that they mentioned that sometimes it takes a lot of time to find people they mentioned oh, yeah. it in the in the in the bureaucracy or the not the hospital whatever that office was that he goes to find what's his name tachibana he goes mm. to the the place and he, they're like it just takes a lot of time to find someone so yeah. like it kind of foreshadows that but then it shows a little bit of the thing on the back of her neck where i'm like what are we seeing here i thought it was radiation poisoning it it kind of it's I think it's I think it's radiation re- related, but mm-hmm. it has a shape that reminds you of like Godzilla's tail, especially when it powers up, like when he gets all nuclear chargey. My wife believes that she's got like a particular type of Godzilla thing to deal with. So if they do a sequel, it would be like let's deal with what it's like to have radiation dealing in a community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I read a thing saying that there might've been something about Godzilla. Like somebody said like a, a shard of his scale or something that like, you know, got into her and now she's healing also because she shouldn't have been able to survive. And she seems to have healed fairly perfectly. Right. Which is not, we don't, it's not like we have a bunch of people from that disaster who are healing. And here she is, like, healing the way, like, I'll she didn't this, have scars movie, on her face either. This movie leans on Godzilla's yeah. radiation healing more than any other iteration of Godzilla does. More than Legacy of Monsters does with the nuclear blast, more than Shin Godzilla does. And I won't spoil how that Shin Godzilla handles it, but, like, this movie, like, they're very clear, like, if he gets injured, he heals. It's like, it's like, like his whole face radiation. blows up and he heals. And then in the end, he falls apart and he heals. It's like Deadpool. That's he. Godzilla is Deadpool. 
He's got a fourth wall break to the camera. If you have only, if he has even one cell remaining, he can come back. He will come back. Yeah. So, so that's why, like, some people are like, is it a supernatural kind of ending for, for uh, Noriko? And maybe, maybe the, um, indication there because like they might not get a you, you always have to make your movie assuming you might not get a sequel right like, and so they like the last movie the last Godzilla movie none of those storylines got continued so what does it mean if none of these get continued then is Noriko just is is the implication like hey she survived but as with any survivor she now has to bear the scars of survival and you don't get to know as the mm-hmm. audience what that means but you do know that it's specific and unique and it may have consequences like the scars of survival did for people in Japan. Yeah. Um, Marmar, did any of these scenes make you feel sick? I'm very interested in other people's. The beginning scene where Godzilla attacks all the men made me feel sick. Like sick as in like... Like physical? I I was kind of I was yeah. I, I I mean I wasn't gonna throw up or anything. It wasn't yeah. that. It was more mm. like I felt sad, depressed, mm. scared, okay. but then also yeah. like the pit of my stomach was like, ugh. I mean, I think this movie did what this movie did really well was just I guess showcasing that Godzilla was this like mo- like menace, this monster, and then he in a way that I think going back to kind of the Western portrayals of Godzilla, where there has to be some sort of like level of humanity to Godzilla, like, oh, it's like, yeah, like he saw me, so he's not gonna kill me today. Um, where in this one, it's like it's again going back to kind of the allegory of Godzilla to the Japanese people and like saying, like, this, like, this is a monster. He is just going in without any disregard for other entities and beings around him, and he's just like like trudging forward regardless of any destruction he leaves in his path and so it, the, this movie did a very fat, great job like showcasing that and kind of making you feel like sick like oh my god like this just these people are just losing their lives after fought, fighting and losing a war um so i think yeah and and in those kind of scenes too like like of those deaths like it wasn't like, like gory or like gruesome like it was just one yeah more of emotional like oh god like damn why why like why did they have to go like um that way kind of thing yeah it, it felt like almost like the way that you might deal with a scene like saving private ryan where you're just like oh oh no oh my gosh it just yeah. keeps so much loss and it keeps going yeah yeah do you do you guys think that uh 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 koichi could have done damage to godzilla because godzilla mm. was smaller at that point could Koichi have killed Godzilla with those guns? Because as far in as the I, beginning, yeah, in the beginning, because okay. as far as I remember, it mentions that the nuclear testing made him bigger, right? Like after right. that scene, so that he wasn't as big, but American nuclear testing made him bigger, and then thus undefeatable. We never see him regenerate in the first scene. He's essentially like a big T Rex. Could he have just died and never come back? came back i have a theory about this thematically i think that it's very important for it to not matter but it for the answer to possibly be no i think that the reason it matters for the answer to not be or for the answer to possibly be no is because that way it's very similar to his decision to not uh to not 
kill himself at the beginning of the movie because it's this thing where it's like, hey, could your sacrifice have made a difference? Maybe, but quite possibly not. Like, from everything else we've seen, no. Like, could be, probably not. And, like, because if, if we play that scene out ourselves, he uses these um, uh, armor-piercing rounds on Godzilla, who turns around and knocks him out of the cockpit of that uh, plane, right? Like, that's probably how that would have played out. So it's like, he could have killed him, but it's probably just more war for the sake of feeling like you're doing something. Like, I'm contributing out of a sense of duty. And I, it could have been that he helps, but I, th I think there needs to be the strong possibility of no thematically. Especially when it's, like, trying to put all that accountability on one person. Like, you were, you could have saved all of us, but you didn't, and that's why we lost. Right. Like, it, it, you can't put that all on one, like, kamikaze pilot. And yeah, it could have helped, but like, what if it done? What had done enough to prevent the deaths that we saw in the opening scene? So to put that on, to make that kind of issue in a more individualist issue rather than like a collective systematic, like this is war we're in, like, um, it's it involves bodies of people that, it, yeah, it kind of yeah. To Nathan's point, it's, it's it wouldn't have made much of a difference, yeah, whether or not he was able to shoot Godzilla or not. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, that's Tachibana's whole point, right? Is that Tachibana says you could have saved everybody yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then when he goes back home and he meets Sumiko, who is the neighbor, she mm. says, it's because of you that my kids are dead. Like that he is at fault for the one person, not anyone else, yeah. the yeah. one person couldn't defeat the monster. Yeah. It's all on you that these things are this bad. It's because of the way that you voted or you didn't enroll and you mm -hmm. did this. You're, it's your plastic straws are the reason that we're all drowning. Yeah. Kind of vibes. Yeah. Which is funny because at the end, we do see that every one person matters as a group, right? Does that go against but, the theme? No. And the, the reason I think is because it's the group. It, no one person matters if it's not for the whole group. What what they accomplish only works because a hundred percent of the people involved are there. If you take even one person out, then it what like community matters. Individualism didn't. The individual mm -hmm. works as a part of the community, but like if it had just been the plane, or if even like they hadn't had all of the people in their tugboats showing up at the very end, then like they still would have been screwed. And then I think it even still matches with the theme because even though the community comes together and can work as a full collective to save the day, they still don't. Like, this is Godzilla minus one, theoretically, right after this are the events of the original movie. It, is it? I thought this is a different continuity. Um, I think it can play both ways. Like, I think that you can watch this as, like, right after this is Godzilla destroying Tokyo. I get full des destruction of Tokyo. I hate this Godzilla his soul like soul to soul person to person i hate him like i can't i will never be able to root for this godzilla in yeah. minus one oh, yeah. he is a monster kill him i don't yeah. want anything to do with him ship him off yeah. to another planet yeah i'm not a fan I think, I think there's a scale of like evil to good for a godzilla and like in godzilla versus kong you have the most good guy godzilla you could get like he's he's there to protect all of us. This is Superman Godzilla. 
Yeah. And then you have this movie where it's like, not only is he a force of nature, he's an asshole. Like, yes. this is evil Godzilla. And then, yeah. like, in the middle, you have, like, the original movie. He's a force of nature, but also, like, a force of nature who wants to stomp on things. And then, like, in the full middle is Shin Godzilla. Again, not to spoil it, but you get very much the idea in Shin Godzilla, like, that this is a thing being born, and it's just going to flail his arms because that's what happens when something's born. And you're like, he doesn't care who's around him. He's he's not spitting fire breath because we're good or bad, but that's because that's what this kind of creature does as he grows up. Uh, it's just true neutral. So, like, but this movie, I'll say, yeah, I think this is the most, like, evil asshole mm-hmm. through everybody Godzilla iteration. And I don't and like... It's definitely... <laughs> And it definitely is dependent on obviously the humans. Like I think it's like how the humans are in this story is like it will be a good like gauge of like how Godzilla is portrayed in the movie too. Because obviously like the Japanese people in Godzilla minus one. I mean yeah, like again going like they're victims of this tragedy, and so therefore Godzilla is that like monster that they still need to defeat. However, in like the Western Godzilla movies, like it's like there's still that like oh like. Like, yeah, he's protecting us, but also there are so humans that are, like, trying to still exploit this power that Godzilla has. And that's where, like, a lot of those, like, plot lines come. Where, like, the scientists are like, oh, I want to, like, dissect and see what he does for my own personal, like, self-interest, too. So it's just, I think, yeah, it's definitely a reflection on humanity in the movie, uh, depending, like, with the Godzilla that's, like, he's a, yeah. he's a tool in that sense. Yeah, he, com- he, de- he compliments what the story is yeah. trying to yes. say. that's what I said. Like, and again, I, I'm really excited for y'all to see Shin Godzilla. It's it's very important for those reasons when you watch that movie that Godzilla is neutral. Where it's like, mm-hmm. if we're dealing with like a... Because it's again, it's reflecting of the the, the 2011 tsunami that caused the um, reactor meltdown. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a full force of nature. That's random, emotionless, and just a problem. And so we have to see how bad are people at coming together to solve a problem. Yeah, And like... And and so it works really well there. And then, like, I think most American properties tend to drift towards trying to turn whatever thing they're making the movie about into being a good guy. Because Americans are always looking for something to vote for. Like, we're always like, who's the good guy here? Who's the hero we can latch ourselves to? to? It's like, that was Loki. He's a bad guy. It's like, nah, we like him. We're going to vote for Loki next year. It's like that kind of vibe. Like, in everything. It's like, Joker, we hate Joker. It's like, nah, kind of more time I spend with him. I disagree. It's like, no. So everything. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, we made a movie about a, a, a lizard that crushes everyone. It's like, how long will it take all of us to want to vote for the lizard? Like, we just we just mm-hmm. like attaching I, to something. I think that, though, that has to do with episodic storytelling and, like, basically you have to heighten, right? So, like, I don't know if you guys remember the first X-Men movie, but the literal problem, the 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 ending is that Magneto wants to turn the UN into mutants, but it turns out like he's just going to end up killing them. But he's like, no, 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 it'll work. And like, that's and just, that's just X-Men 1. Yeah. And then and X-Men then the 2. One, he's like, he's willing to kill every human being. on the Yeah. Planet. Yes. And then and X-Men then... 3 is like the Phoenix. And well, I mean, it was just a mess. <laughs> but like but... Avengers movies also kind of work in that respect too, right? Superhero movies. It's just like there's bigger and whether you bring the villain in to fight an even bigger bad guy, like Fast and the Furious movies do that. Like, yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's sort of the thing. It's like each time the threat gets bigger, everyone unites to the bigger threat because it like yeah. it doesn't 
if you take like real world logic about like people being bad, it doesn't make sense for the X-Men to work with Magneto against another threat. Um, really, because it's like he tried to kill literally everyone. Like, this guy's not good. But instead they're like, no, 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 he's fine. We're gonna bring him in to to help us. It's like, nah, I think you should I think you should let him sit this one out. He tried to kill everyone. <laughs> it's because that trope is a, that trope's a very fascinating. Like the yeah. I think the latest iteration that they did that with Aquaman 2. I don't know if you guys saw Aquaman 2, where they literally yeah. were like, let me just bring my brother who was trying to kill the humans in the in land to help us defeat this. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. that I watched that movie. It very much also gives that vibe of like, well, you know, I ran last year on the platform of trying to kill everybody and I lost that election. So you can bring <laughs> me in. I, that's fine. I didn't, my, my bill didn't work. So I'll work with you on this. And you're like, <laughs> this is a weird tone for a guy who tried to commit a mass atrocity. Yeah. I mean, Aquaman 2 is a whole nother thing, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think tying it back with minus one is that like none of the characters were evil. Like none of them were. Like mm-hmm. we never like even like the most conf- like like antagonistic is Tachibana to Koichi. Like he's That's the like most conflicting. They're like they just yeah. they have tension to each other. Yeah. Right. Well, he hits them in the back of the head, but yes. Right. They're not like, but it's not hateful. Like they don't there's not like a I'm out to kill you right. Vibe. It's more like I'm expressing my anger because screw you, and I, yeah. It's how the government failed the people, right? And that, like, and then, I mean, it happens here. It's like, go into a war, we don't support the people that fought the war. Like, that's, it's just a ongoing problem, country by country. That's just how, like, uh, you know, and so this this kind of does it, which makes it easier for us to root for the humans in this and makes Godzilla that much worse because- you know, of, of that. Um, did you think people were gonna die in the end? Because I thought people were gonna I die. I thought people were end. gonna die. I thought like, I thought it was named a bold characters. Choice. You know, I thought it was a bold choice to not kill people in the end, and perhaps even a really loving one, where it's like, hey, we need to say something really loving to the Japanese people, and say something about our built like the the ability of uh, the of Japanese people to um, endure and come together and move forward and it's sort of a i think the messaging is almost like we had enough tragedy we can move forward and that story works best if everyone moves forward yeah i agree with that too yeah um koichi didn't need to die and i i really it touched me that uh tachibana essentially forgave him right and that that forgiveness helped him realize that like the life you live is the important part. You know, continuing to live and continuing to love and continuing to even continuing to fight. There wasn't an option in which they couldn't fight Godzilla. Right. They need Fighting, you need they needed to. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like even though you know the flood is coming in, you still need to put up the uh, the sandbags and 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 what do they call the levee? You still need to build up the levee, and that's kind of like what they do to stop Godzilla. It's not like a, hey, we're trying. We think we're gonna win. It's we have to do something. Like you can't know the storm yeah. is coming and not do something. Oh, that happens in the beginning, uh, it, or in the middle. That that the government knows that he's 
Godzilla is going and they don't evacuate the city. Yeah. So I love I love how consistent this movie was about uh, criticizing the like the idea of national governments not really caring what happens to local municipalities and local people. And that the people are expendable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we don't want to deal with all of the problem of a, of an evacuation and the complications down the line. You know, it's not complicated caskets. Yeah. 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 Um. All in all, both these Godzilla franchises, uh, I am a fan of. Even even in its weak parts of Monarch and and well, Monarch as a season, but then also Monarch as a uh, or a, the MonsterVerse as a whole. Um, uh, there's enough space for both of these yeah. more introspective way. And I mean, sure, mm-hmm. I would love for these MonsterVerse movies to have a better kind of tying theme like Kong Skull Island did. I would like to elevate it a little bit because you could still have the fun of Kong Skull Island with a underlying thing. You know, um, Michael Crichton was very like anti like big corporations and like like uh, with with Jurassic Park and whatnot. And like, you know, but you still get a great ass Jurassic Park movie with this, you know, um, everything kind of tying together. Do you guys have any like thoughts about the, the space that we live in that we can have these two franchises? Yeah, I just I think I agree with you. And I think that this comes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the episode that like in in a lot of ways the whole of the monster verse is a tv show kind of like the marvel universe it's this big tv show and the uh um japanese movies are movies they have like a, a clear thesis and they tell you they're like they they work through a story and its characters clearly to like give me something full and packaged in each outing and some of the MonsterVerse movies do that in, like, Skull Island and the 2014 Godzilla. Because the 2014 Godzilla is definitely trying to be about, like, the 2011 um, reactor fallout or mm-hmm. the reactor collapse. So, like, they they, they can they can try that. Just like the Marvel movies can have, like, you know, every every other Marvel movie really has a message that it succeeds with. But I think that, like, at the moment, it feels like these movie the the monsterverse tv show like broader series is much more concerned with having the big blowout fights and as many cool like as many monsters together as they can get and that weakens like their clean the cleanness of their stories and their themes by something they can do every every time i sit down for a monarch or a Godzilla versus kong i'm hoping that i'm getting a clean story because i know it's possible it is possible yeah um i don't know if you remember back in the day with superhero movies there used to be a theory that you can't have uh multiple villains and have it be a good movie like there used to be this thought but but as we found out in like a good amount of superhero movies is that you can have a clean consistent one if you have multiple levels of villains and the theme kind of stays intact and you know it doesn't have to be amazing spider-man 2 that has way too many villains but like you know like the dark knight has multiple antagonists um yeah you know and mm-hmm. uh and i'm trying to remember what else there are days of future past is one of my favorite x like is my favorite x-men movie and like that has 
that has multiple bad guys. That the has Batman. Multiple bad guys. The Batman has multiple. The Batman. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's yeah, possible, I, I, but it's not possible if you're lazy. If you're if you're a lazy writer, or you have to go through multiple revisions of multiple writers, maybe multiple villains, and a cohesive, dense story is impossible. I don't know. I I, I think the big problem always becomes when when you have like a wave of bad guys, where it's like the, where the and because that also feels very much like what happens in the MonsterVerse movies is if it's like it's like hey you have your superhero Godzilla in this case it's like your superhero is going to have to fight all of them at once it's like then that's never fun but if it's like hey your your superhero needs to make it to X destination of getting one bad guy but in order to get to him he has to kind of go through a few people or, or like has to get to this destination of whatever and yeah, that that always works more it's like the mm-hmm. other bad guys are b plots and c plots or like yeah one scene at a time versus versus like they're all gonna fight in a battle royale at the end it's like that's <laughs> that's when it becomes jumbly like like batman and robin all of the bad guys in batman and robin are the same tier right. and they're all kind of fighting him together and that's why it's a mess and they should they should have different motivations, but for some reason they're working together with the same motivation. And same thing with these monsters. Why did the monsters in in uh, King of the Monsters all work together? Why weren't they fighting each other more? Wait, what happens in in the oh it's it's like those lesser monsters like that gorilla elephant thing. Is that what we're talking about? They're not in King of Monsters. It's every monster that Godzilla fights in the like. Kyoto and like the 60s through 80s movies all wake up together and they all go to like fight Godzilla in Boston and they like all cut and maybe they kind of rumble it's like a big battle royale movie and like some of them kind of rumble with uh um with each other a little bit to get to him but it's not like Godzilla what you'd think it would be is this is a movie of Godzilla needing to put out monsters around the globe until he gets the hardest one. It's like that I can get behind. Instead, it mm-hmm. feels much more like they're all working together because the crew of monsters has woken up and they're listening to the call of King Ghidorah, the top monster. And I was like, that's so busy. That's so busy. Okay. I forgot about that. That's the one with Rodan and Mothra and like multiple mutos and like, mm-hmm. right? Like they come yeah, back from the first too one. many things. It's too... And it's so busy and ugh. it's the same. And I, I, my criticism of Godzilla uh, versus Kong is similar that it's like, it's like make it Godzilla versus Kong, not Godzilla versus Kong versus a mech Godzilla versus whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have faith that, that you can make a good one. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I think Monarch at its best shows that it's possible to make people like make it kind of have that good equation. Um, but at its <laughs> worst, I'm like, okay, whatever. Passable, you know. Um, I want to thank you guys both so much for coming on this show, talking with me. This is the first uh, double feature, uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, Godzilla Minus One. Do you guys have any closing thoughts that you need to get really get off your chest um about either one of these shows uh i do hope that monarch legacy monsters does get a season two just so we can continue to improve on what they've established in season one i think there's a lot of potential there are some good qualities and good moments in throughout the season um and good characters um to like 
build upon. So I really hope that the budget will keep budgeting and then they can have that budget to um, make a season two. And Godzilla minus one. I will say I'm glad that they got an Oscar nomination for best visual effects. Um, I'm glad that there was some level of award recognition for the movie this um, this year. So congrats to both like of these like Godzilla pieces of media that are doing very well. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't have nominated for best special effects because that's my one criticism. But what I would have nominated really? is like screenplay, mm. like, like, I don't know, I, maybe best picture, but like. I, remembering that it's achievement in special effects, because like I agree, I, no, I would still nominate it, but like I agree with you that it's not as strong as some other things this year. Like I think the creator should take home this award without even a question. But remembering that it's achievement, and I think this is like, again, five people dealing with lollipop sticks and they made this movie. I'm then I then I'm like, this is incredible. Like yeah. that's amazing. They made they made this movie with nothing. And yeah. that's phenomenal. But um and, and so for that it's always it's always nice to see people get recognized for what they could do with so little in the face of like three hundred million dollar Disney movies yeah. getting nominations. Yeah. And, um, and I'll say I really want to agree with Marmar really uh, emphatically that I love where this show was able to end. And like I like I, I like this show. Like uh or I liked um Monarch more than not. And I think that most of the things that weakened the show, like the needing to make you not trust people because you're because we're new to the world, they don't have to deal with that anymore. And they can now just take the characters they've got and they could just move forward with the story. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what they do now that all of their pieces are in place. You know? Mm -hmm. There's still the Apex Corporation or whatever, whatever it's called. Apex. Apex, yeah, right? They're I the ones who make I, Mecha Godzilla, right? I think I think so, with uh with uh, Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I mm. think they make they make Mecha Godzilla, which is kind of what they're working on, right? With with I don't know, were they doing something in this show that they were saying that they were working on some sort of science? They just want to like exploit the technology of monsters again with yeah. very vagueness. They were just like, we monsters can lead us somewhere. We don't know where, but we're excited about it. Yeah. I will say the the King Kong coming in that final second was pretty I was like, <gasps> yeah. So yeah. I like that. I like how it ended in that regard, like, like kind of leaving us wanting more and hoping that there will be more. I love yeah. I love King Kong. I just I love. I think it's like, I love monkeys. I love apes. I love like the new planet kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming out. Looks really sick. That looks so sick. I'm so excited for that. And so seeing King Kong here makes me want King Kong to have like a child that then teams up with the Monarch crew. Like if we can't get yeah. King Kong, let's get a smaller well, you, version that like- there's a there's a tiny King Kong, or not tiny, yeah. but there's like a King Kong baby in this new movie. Yes. Yeah. He's kind of like an orangutan looking one, right? I think he's just supposed to be a baby. I think you're being judgmental at Chillins. He's red. Has, he's red though, right? Because the bad, because the bad. You don't know his mom. Maybe his mom's red. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a bad because there's a bad kind of orangutan looking guy yeah. with like a scar, I think, and like he's the bad you think guy. It's his kid? You think it's no, his no, child? no. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. It's either his kid or it's him when he's a kid. No, there is separately fully a kid. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, there's because this, there's a there's a yeah. time where the human characters look up and they're like, look at that baby King Kong. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he's reddish. Uh, I think he's like almost orangutan because they're yeah. they're he's leaner. Like those, I, I would, you know, 
I have a very important question as we as we end the as I know that you need us to stop talking, but I have the, my just with how much you like King Kong stuff and and apes in general. I wonder, do you have like a for you the best of the sentient ape movies, like a favorite Planet of the Apes or King oh. Kong version? Like mm-hmm. it's like this is the ape. This is the best ape movie. I mean, I like the the trilogy, the Planet of the Apes tri- the the recent one. Um, you have a favorite in that group? Oof, I have to rewatch it. Because I've only seen I, each of them once, but I'm going to rewatch them again and go on a marathon. I have them all right here or somewhere behind me. Nice. My, I, my favorite's the second one, I think. The, the 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 one that has Gary Oldman, I think that's I think that's the best. Yeah. I mean, the third one's really good, too. I think, I mean, I think the second and third are better than the first. First one's really fun, I. but you're right. The second two are better. I think- They're more cohesive. Yeah, the original Charlton Heston movie and the second of these two movies, those are my two favorites. Okay. Yeah. Which one has Paul Giamatti as a orangutan ape? The That's the Tim Burton one from the 90s. <laughs> oh. That movie I I have I have a relationship with that movie and it's not nice. Um well, yeah. I'm going to I actually do want to rewatch that movie again. Because it's not terrible, but it's also bizarre. Yeah. Like you're, there are parts of the movie where you'll be like, that was kind of fun. And other parts of the movie where you go, I hated what I just saw. And you go back and forth like that a lot. Where you're like, I just wow, saw that was. Oh, no, yeah. Continue. Yeah. continue. No, I just, just that. It's just up and down. I just saw Apology Monty like really enjoyed being in that movie from like a recent interview that he did. And I was like, okay, I'm intrigued because I'm like, he's actually playing an orangutan. I was like, oh, he's not one of the humans in the movie. He's just an orangutan. <laughs> well, and he's having a lot of fun. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he sounded like um, he had fun with it. It's like him, that, that whole movie's a stacked cast, by the way, like a, oh. an insanely stacked cast. Yeah. And he's having a lot of fun in the role. And it's also around the time that his career had blown up, like right before then he, he was a small part of other movies. Like he's in the Truman show as just another dude oh, yeah. working for Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would say that probably Planet of the Apes, it's like Planet of the Apes sideways and then Big, Big Fat, Fat Liar. Liar yeah. is around this time where he was finally getting bigger roles. Like not mm-hmm. just like we'll hire him. It's like, no, no, he's he's good. Put him in stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a weird that's a weird movie. Like you gotta put that movie on knowing that you're about to watch something you're gonna have confused feelings about. They make some of the apes too horny. They're just too horny. There isn't there like a lap dance scene or something? Yeah. Like Yeah, and like he full on like Mark Wahlberg make like kisses. Oh, he's ape. in that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the the, that's the problem. Like, that's the other, yeah, you watch this movie, and you're like, I think I hate Mark Wahlberg, and you're like, Did you know about the hate crimes? You're like, I thought this movie was the hate crime. <laughs> <before." laughs> it's like, there's more. It's oh. it's uh, it's a weird thing. Um, yeah, me me and my mom hate Mark Wahlberg, but we hate him in different degrees. She hates him way more that she doesn't even want to see his face. For me, I'm like, I don't want to see his face. I don't. But also, if I'm going to rewatch that Planet of the Apes movie, I have to see his face. Like, there's no getting yeah, around there, I feel the same way I do with him as I do about Mel Gibson, which is I don't want to see his face anymore. But yeah. the things that I've already seen him in that were from before either I knew he was terrible or before he was terrible, yeah. it's like, okay. So, He's like, horrible. Mark Wahlberg, he gets, Mark Wahlberg gets the first Ted and The Departed. And those are the two things I've allowed of him. Okay. I, 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 I think it's... 
How are you feeling with? Is it, isn't aren't they both in a movie together? They play a father son duo. That... Oh, never. They are, they yeah. they have like started the daddy's home. The, yeah, they've got a couple things together now because they like oh, produce oh, movies God. together now. They're two assholes. Of course they do. Of it's course the they do. The canceled white men who try to make movies for Christian bro bro guys. It's like always about we saved the children from the brown people who were going to give them drugs. It's like that's every plot. It's like I prayed enough that I could get over being so buff. Except I can't. Like that's that's the story. That's a good summary. But isn't Mel Gibson in the Mad Max movies? The original, yeah, the original Mad Max. So cr- oh, okay. a crazy thing about the about uh, Mel Gibson. Like a lot of people have been like, he was never a good actor. He was just pretty. Eighties to nineties, Mel Gibson is genuinely one of the greatest actors to ever live. Like you'll watch a okay. performance of his, you're like, I hate that he's so good, but he is. And when you watch him in the original Mad Max movies. He brings this like mix, but like t- kind of like Tom Hardy does this mix between mm. being just tormented and crazy and sad and charismatic and the flashing of all that. That you're like, oh, I totally understand how this guy got Lethal Weapon and Hamlet and mm. all of these other things that he got throughout the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, went off the rails. Revealed, <laughs> yeah. yeah, revealed all of us who he is. Yeah. You're like, you, you were so close. Um, uh, I just wanted to shout out Pain and Gain, which I think is an underrated Michael Bay movie. It also has Mark Wahlberg in it, and but it has Anthony Mackie and it has The Rock, and I think it's one of The Rock's better uh, uh, acting, you know? Um, no. Okay. All of them, I think, are, are for some reason, Tony Shalhoub's in it, but for some reason, like, the movie, <laughs> the, the movie, like, it works for some reason. Um... We got, do got to get going. And I want to thank mm-hmm. you guys so much for coming and, and, and being on the show. I want to thank uh, that one wizard kid out there. Um, uh, I want to thank Carson for dropping in. Carson and that one wizard kid. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being in the Twitch chat with us. Before we get going, Nathan, where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Um, I am everywhere that you can watch short form videos. So if you search The Favoring Wind on Instagram, uh, Facebook, well, not Facebook, don't go to Facebook, Instagram, uh, <laughs> Twitter, uh, TikTok, or YouTube, you'll find me there. Um, and you're going to hear me doing a lot of like movie analysis here and there, some political stuff, just humor, whatever. But keep an eye out this year. Uh, my wife and I will be telling you more about the process of trying to get some screenplays pitched and written and just what it's like to, to get your foot in the door in indie filmmaking and, and what that process is like as we go through it ourselves. Uh, nice. That sounds awesome. Can you say my wife? My wife. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Nathan, so much for for coming on here. Uh, it's always great to have you uh, and your analysis. So thank you, Marmar. It was your first time. Where can people find you? What do you got coming up? Uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, um, I'm on. Uh, I'm like Marmar Marisa on TikTok. I'm on Instagram as well. I do have a letterbox, and I'm on Serialize. So if you want to see just more, like just more concise reviews, and not like just one sentence two sentence short answers on movies or tv shows go on those platforms as well but yeah i'm out here just like talking about tv shows i love watching movies that i love watching and sometimes doing rewatch series depending on um upcoming projects but yeah just thoughts and thoughts and perspectives on things i love watching awesome awesome uh it, it was your first time uh being on this uh i uh loved hearing your analysis and i would love to have you on even more episodes yes um, definitely um, not only Godzilla episodes, 
uh, we will do even more. So thank you, uh, Marmar. What what are you pointing at, Nathan? This is a Fallout image. There's oh. going to be that Fallout show this year. Have me on for Fallout. You know, <laughs> I I will. That's great. Also, that just makes it so that I have to watch Fallout also in order it to do these episodes. so good. It looks so good. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I just have nothing. I don't know anything about Fallout, so... Um, We'll talk What's after the stream when we're not live. I will give you the I'll give you a very quick follow-up pitch. Okay. After All right. Sounds good. Uh thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Marmar. Thank you, everybody else out there. If you are watching us live, you're watching us on twitch.tv slash the keeg show or youtube.com slash the keeg show, or you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you're on social media, TikTok and Instagram are our two biggest ones at the Keeg Show, but we're also on like Facebook and threads and Twitter and all that at the Keeg Show or slash the Keeg Show find us pretty much anywhere on social media and we do have a patreon at patreon.com slash the keeg show now um we also have the keeg show.com where we're writing articles and trying to build that back up again um it was on hiatus for a little bit but if you want to check out articles including articles written by me or written by lex from wednesday pool he wrote a recent uh, comic book related one or some of our really good articles by comics by kaylin uh, back when Kalen was writing, um, those are really good too. So thekeegshow.com if you're into that sort of thing. Um, other than that, this is The Keeg Talks. This is the uh, show brought to you by The Keeg where we talk about a different topic every single um, week. We also have Comic Talk every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, where we talk about DC, Marvel, and indie comics that came out that week. That's a weekly show. This is a weekly show. We got other stuff in the works, including uh, cons that we're going to be going to. Uh, I think Emerald City Comic Con uh, I'm going to be going to in Seattle. Definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming up, but, uh, you know, stay tuned uh, for all that. Thank you once again for being on the show. Thank you much for watching. And uh, once again, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira, and this has been the Keeg Talks, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and Godzilla Minus One. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. King.